Audiologist, a Phonak podcast. Welcome to The Audiologist, a podcast series created by Phonak to offer audiologists and people interested in audiology new perspectives on hearing health topics. The podcast today is on stigma and hearing loss and why it is still an important topic when it comes to hearing aid adoption. I'm Davina Omishore, a Senior Audiology Manager at Phonak International Headquarters in Switzerland, and I will be your host today. And with me on the line is a fellow Canadian whom I've known for a very long time, Gurjeet Singh. Gurjeet is a Senior Research Audiologist in Phonak Canada, and not only that, he's also an adjunct professor in the Department of Psychology in Ryerson University, as well as an adjunct lecturer in the Department of Speech-Language Pathology in the University of Toronto. Gurjeet, welcome. Thank you, Davina. Pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for taking the time because I know that it's a very busy time and to share with me a few minutes of your time to talk about something that is is still a topic which I really don't understand, but it would be lovely if you could then shed some light on it. But I do remember that when we last had a conversation a few weeks ago, you had mentioned an online conference that you had attended, and this was on hearing aid technology. And you brought up a very interesting analogy about the technology behind the COVID vaccine and applying this technology to hearing aids and hearing aid adoption. I was very intrigued by this analogy, and I wonder, could you share this analogy with the audience so that we can actually have a baseline as to why stigma is still an issue today when we talk about hearing aid adoption. Yeah, absolutely. So this was, I I mean, it was just a a, a quick comment. And, you know, I was thinking about just the speed at which we developed the COVID vaccine. And if you look at this outcome measure of fatalities, the COVID vaccine is pretty remarkable. It has done an outstanding job of limiting the number of fatalities associated with COVID-19. And so here we have this technology, but at the same time, we have a lot of variability in the uptake of this technology. You know, some countries, the uptake is much higher than in other countries where it's much lower. And when you think about this analogy to hearing aids, again, we have fantastic technologies in hearing rehabilitation, and yet there is a lot of variability. Uh, As any audiologist can tell you, there is this variability in uptake. In some countries, you can see that uptake is pretty remarkable compared to other countries. Across the board, it could be higher, absolutely. But, you know, if you compare a country like Norway with relatively high hearing aid adoption compared to a country such as Japan, which has relatively low hearing aid adoption, you know, the question then becomes, is it something about the technology or is it some other non-technological factor? And I think it's probably the latter rather than the former. I find that to be very, very interesting, especially hearing aid uh, adoption and how we can see this variability. But what is this problem? What is this reason as to why we have such a variability? One, and also why we don't see a larger uptake, seeing that we know how wearing of hearing aids affects a person. Well, you know, as we say in the academic world, sometimes the problem is multifactorial. There's probably several things that contribute to why you see these differential hearing aid adoption rates in different countries. You know, one of these small factors is probably related to the 
cost. If you look at a country where hearing aids are free compared to a country where hearing aids are paid for by an individual, uh, when I say free, it's obviously covered by our taxes and uh, uh, through uh, some public health care. You'll see that hearing aid adoption rates, you know, if we kind of squint, it tends to be about 10% higher in countries where it is covered by uh, a public health care system. Uh, but that's, you know, only accounting for small portion of the variance in terms of these large differences between these countries uh, like Norway or the UK, for example, and these other countries, uh, particularly those in Asia. Um, and so what are the other factors? Well, let's consider the possibilities. One is that, well, the people in countries with low hearing aid adoption rates have very different types of hearing loss compared to countries where there's uh, hearing loss in those countries with high hearing aid adoption rates. If we dive into those patient characteristics, that is absolutely not the case. Certainly there are these minor differences, uh, but it is not something about their hearing. It's really something that I think it's more cultural and it tends to be these kind of social factors. And I remember when we, when we also spoke a while ago, you mentioned that there were different types of stigma that were related to things like the, the social factors, that it wasn't just the look of the hearing aid and you also said it possibly isn't the technology of the hearing aid so what else are we talking about when it comes to the stigma and the social factor that could be that are is related to all of this so stigma you know this is not a unique concept to audiology it has been studied for many years and it started with social psychologists uh the work of irving Gottman, 1963 he came up with uh some of the academic definition that we all kind of use to to date uh, a mark of disgrace associated with a particular circumstance, a quality, or a person. And one of the really interesting pieces surrounding stigma is that there really are these two different sources. So one is that, well, all right, I have a condition, I'm sort of embarrassed or ashamed of having this condition. Uh, and so it kind of prevents me from engaging in various activities because, you know, I'm afraid of how others will perceive me. If you kind of pay close attention to, to some of those words, it's all of these factors are residing in the head of the person that is feeling that stigma. It is kind of the, the stigma that I'm self-imposing because of my beliefs and my understanding of the broader culture that I live in. So that's what we think of as self-stigma. But there's also, and this is there's this very real component of stigma from others. You know, people have judgments about other people, you know, whatever the case may be. Uh, for example, you know, people that don't take the COVID vaccine have this sort of belief about those that do. And the people that do take the COVID vaccine have these beliefs around the people that don't take the, the, the vaccine. Um, so we have these beliefs and they have influences on behavior. Uh, and so that's, that's one thing to take into mind uh, with respect to stigma associated with hearing loss is that, you know, some of it comes from ourselves and then these other pieces. It comes from the stigma that other people have, sorry, the beliefs that other people have. The second point I kind of want to mention is that when we think about hearing loss and stigma, historically, I think we've kind of bundled this idea uh, in a pretty simplistic way that there's stigma associated with hearing loss. And there's been a lot of great research that's been done uh, over the past 30 years within audiology. And one of the things that we've started to recognize 
is that there are these different sources of stigma and they probably play out very differently depending on the person. So for one person, uh, it's not so much the stigma associated with hearing loss, but it might be the stigma that's associated with aging. So, you know, I don't feel any shame, for example, uh, having a hearing loss. People vary in their visual perceptual abilities or uh, hearing abilities, uh, but it's just that I don't want to feel old, for example. So there we have the stigma from hearing loss, we have stigma from aging, and then yet another possible source of contribution to the experience of rehabilitation is stigma associated with hearing aids rather than hearing loss. Is there any light that you can shed on how how stigma, lack of rehabilitation can then also affect their well-being? And in the three aspects that we are talking about when we, co- when we talk about well-hearing is well-being, the social, emotional, the cognitive, as well as the physical. Yeah, this is, you know, it, it, you can think about it affecting a person's health and stigma, whether it be to aging, whether it be to hearing loss, whether it be to hearing aids. Uh, and then you can sort of say, well, what aspects of our, you know, our health is made up of these various different domains? Uh, as you mentioned, there's cognition, our socio-emotional world, our physical world, and stigma. You know, it's this, it's this kind of loose psychological concept. It isn't concrete. And for some people, that starts to become less concrete. It's, it's, it's just more abstract by its nature. But even though it is abstract, it has these downstream consequences for these different subdomains. So, for example, uh, historically, there's been this linkage between stigma and sort of the, the, the cognitive evaluations that, are, that a person might place on themselves or that we place on others. Uh, so my close collaborator and colleague, Stefan Launer, he shows this one picture of a building. Uh, and, it's, uh, and so it's carved into the stone in this building in England. It's the Institute for the Deaf and Dumb. And so this, there's this linkage. You can see it in stone uh, in Manchester that there, you know, that deafness is equated with dumbness at some level. This belief, and so that's one way in which you know we might still hold this this carryover of the of this association between deafness and dumbness. So that's one way that it can affect sort of our cognitive worlds. We also know that this perception of stigma it can certainly have socio-emotional consequences in terms of whether it limits our ability to, sorry, limits our willingness to go out into the social world, or if there's implications for just the amount of anxiety or stress that you feel. Uh, If you feel, you know, this stigma associated with, let's say, hearing aids, you don't want to wear them, you're now feeling slightly more anxious when you engage in social interactions because you don't have your hearing aid. Well, we know there's a long literature that anxiety and stress has these downstream consequences not just for our mental well-being, but for our physical well-being. There is this linkage between stress and our physical well-being. So it certainly, I think, plays out in all three of these domains that govern sort of well-being. Now, I know that you are very well-versed when it comes to stigma. And I know that all of this also comes from a lot of research that you have been working on. And I do remember that you are actually working on some new discoveries when it comes to stigma. Can you share some of this information with us yeah absolutely that's a that's a that's you know uh, a, a really hot topic of investigation that's taking place in audiology not just by me by by many brilliant uh, colleagues that i have in the field um and so uh, 
What's kind of interesting is that historically, we've approached this topic of stigma and used this qualitative method. We've interviewed, you know, different stakeholders, whether it be persons with hearing loss, their spouses, their significant others. Uh, and that's the methodology that was primarily used to investigate stigma. And this has led to some really great insights. But it's been the primary method that we've used, you know, if we look back through the literature. Uh, so it's been, we've learned a lot of wonderful insights using that methodology, but We've also run into some limitations associated with that methodology because the interviews, they, they kind of take place long after sort of this critical incidence, right? Like, the, like, how, like, what is the actual impact of stigma on a person's decision making in terms of hearing rehabilitation? You know, it's all post hoc. What we haven't had are these quantitative methods to predict what someone's stigma evaluation has on later, on subsequent hearing aid rehabilitation. And so that was the approach that we took in Canada. We had uh, roughly just under a thousand people that participated in this study. And so these were all people, they had a hearing loss, they turned out to would all be suitable candidates for hearing aids. And what we did is before their audiology appointment, while they were in the waiting room of different clinics in Canada, we had them fill out a questionnaire. And in this questionnaire, you know, we, we have some demographic questions that we ask these individuals. We ask these individuals to report on their hearing handicap using the HHIE. Uh, but we also ask them, well, how much stigma do you feel with respect to age? Now, there's no mention of hearing loss. There's no mention of hearing aids on those items. We just asked them, how stigmatizing is age and aging for you? And people responded, and there's variability. And then in another section of this uh, survey package, we asked them, all right, we've asked previous questions about age. Now, how much stigma do you experience with respect to hearing aids? And we asked nothing about age. And this, and in this way, we have items that are focused on stigma to age, stigma to hearing aids, and then these other questions like hearing handicap. These individuals then go through the regular clinical pathway. They meet with their clinician. They have a, a hearing evaluation. And then it comes to the point where they have to make a decision because these are all people that are all suitable for hearing aids and they make a decision. And then we just follow these people over time, you know, because some people take months to make a decision. Uh, and so we had you know, this study took place over a year. And we could see who, who's keeping their hearing aids, who actually bought hearing aids versus not. Uh, so what did we find? So, all right, uh, we have different variables that actually were important predictors for who got a hearing aid. Number one, and this is pretty consistent with the literature, it wasn't a surprise, is hearing handicap. Those individuals that are more handicapped who perceive more handicapped by their hearing loss, these are the individuals that are most likely to get a hearing aid. That's not earth to earth shattering. The second variable in terms of its magnitude and importance was age. And that's not surprising either. You know, those that were older, these are the ones that were more likely to get hearing aids compared to those individuals that were younger. Well, and, you know, you could think of the possible reasons for that. One is that older people, they tend to have more hearing loss compared to younger people. And indeed, that was the case. So, okay, so let's put all these, you know, kind of big variables off to the side. Handicap, age, and degree of hearing loss. 
Well, then we, it turns out that we did see an effect with respect to stigma to age. So it wasn't so much the technology and perhaps, you know, we can hypothesize why maybe hearing aids themselves are less stigmatizing than they were in the past. But it was those individuals that reported having more stigma to hearing, uh, to aging. These are the individuals that were less likely to adopt a hearing aid. It was a small effect, but the effect was there. Uh, and that was fascinating to us because for the first time we have quantitative evidence that stigma is actually influencing behavior of individuals in terms of their rehab decisions. And I remember you had also mentioned that if there is a stigma to age, and what about those people who do not see themselves as old but still needing a hearing aid and not walking in through those doors because they don't consider themselves to be old and therefore they don't need to have a hearing aid. This is a really fascinating uh, question. So this was raised by one of my colleagues when we were thinking about this data is that we saw this effect between stigma to age and hearing aid adoption. But let's keep in mind again, the population that is under investigation. So if you remember from a few minutes ago, we said, these are people that are already in a clinic. They had made a decision that they were willing to go through the doors of an audiology clinic. And, you know, for us, we're kind of, this is our day to day. It's kind of normal for us as clinicians and audiologists. But think about it from the perspective of a patient, right? They've lived their life and they've always had this kind of perception of themselves as having normal hearing. And then they start to go through this process where they're considering that they have a hearing loss and they actually have to make the decision to go through the doors of a clinic. And that opens up this whole psychological can of worms because it starts to mess with your perception of yourself, right? Am I a young, healthy, hearing, vibrant person, or am I an older person that might be experiencing a little bit of hearing loss? And so what's interesting is we saw this effect about stigma to age for those individuals that made it through the door of a clinic. We suspect, we don't have evidence for this, but we suspect that the effect of stigma to aging, stigma to hearing loss, stigma to hearing aids, this is going to be even larger in that population that isn't making it through the doors of a clinic because perhaps there's, you know, the stigma is preventing them from even doing that. So we suspect that this is one of the reasons why we might even see a larger effect in those individuals who don't even visit audiology clinics. I, when, I've, when we spoke about this last time, I found this to be still a fascinating topic that was intriguing, you know, to actually see how much further we can go with this information and how we can then put it to use. Would I be correct in saying that some of, if could we assume basically that your study could also be translated into ideas on how we can actually bring these people through the doors, but in a way that is not saying that you're old, but turning it more into the well-being aspect. Davina, that's why I love talking with you, because you always come up with these brilliant observations. If, you know, that's exactly, I think the implication here is that, you know, if we can somehow work on getting people through the door, and to me, that is now within this realm of, you know, we're audiologists, we're trained as clinicians and measuring all of these details about a person's hearing, but it probably turns out that we have to engage these other skills. Like, what are the healthcare messages that can get someone to come in through the doors of a clinic? And, and you know, not to uh, circle back to the beginning of this podcast, but 
you think about, you know, how do you get people to actually take on a COVID vaccine if they are reluctant? Is it to say, well, we're going to build an even better vaccine? Or is it that you have to work on sort of the, the these non-technological factors in terms of, well, here's why the vaccine might be suitable for you. You have to start thinking about the messaging associated with the vaccine. And I think we probably have to do something very similar in audiology. Uh, and so what exactly those messages are, I think that's where our field should start to head, is to develop those messages. Now, should it be a message around aging? Should it be a message around hearing loss? Should it be a message around hearing aids? These are all uh, open questions, and I think that's where the field is heading. Exactly. And when I think about it, especially working in audiology, and I see my mother, and I see how outgoing she is, and she is of that age, but she's not going to walk through that door. But if we can give her the messaging to kind of say, hey, look, it's not to show that you're old, but it really is to enrich your life, you know, and give you back more, um, to, to give you more enjoyment, basically, you know, as as you are going and moving in that direction. Davina, I think we just created one of our first messages that we should test in one of these messaging studies. Uh, it's a pleasure. And I thank you so much. And our time actually is up, but I do kind of want to have a quick recap of what it is that we have just spoken about with um, uh, the topic of stigma um, and how we have you know, spoken about the, the very large variability in hearing instrument uptakes, but it could be in a wide range of factors that could be technology related, but also it could be non-technology related, such as cost or looking into the other aspects whereby it could be relating to the stigma of taking up the hearing aid. We also spoke about the different sources of stigma, whereby it is either stigma related to hearing loss or aging or to uh, the hearing aid itself. And then we moved onwards into discussing about the research and how stigma is a hot area when it comes to audiology. And you then shared with us some of the work that you are doing when it comes to the insights that you are finding from the research on stigma and the population that you worked with. Is there any additional message or closing message that you would like to share with our listeners? I think you covered it really well. Uh, you know, it's exciting that we have all of this work and I think we have some pathways for how to actually increase uh, the number of people that can benefit from hearing rehab. Exactly, definitely. So then I will then take this moment to say thank you so much for your time and joining us. And then also to say to the audience listening to this, thank you very much for taking your time in listening to this podcast. And on this note, I want to say goodbye and thank you very much for listening. Thank you.